Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Suits bragging to me, by the way, Todd, that he got the Peacock $1.99 a month deal because he wants to watch every single qualifying run in the month of May at Indianapolis, the Peacock Black Friday deal. I don't know about all that. I texted him back. I said, I'm dropping it in two minutes. (laughs) I I don't need to see cars go around in a circle against against anybody else. Come on. I mean, why don't you have a race where you got people on the beltway? (laughs) See who wins that. Okay. I might watch that. All right. Or the Schuylkill Expressway. He wants to watch one car go around in a circle. Okay. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Terrific service department. Backs it all up every step of the way. Routine, difficult to handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online, sunburymotors.com. It is Tuesdays. Time now for Tuesdays with Neil. Sir, always a pleasure. The pleasure is mine, as always. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. All right. So uh, let's start with Mike Tomlin. Uh, when it got to the question about his future, he walked out and left yesterday. What does it say about a coach in a season like this that they still went 10-7 and seven and made the playoffs and are consistently drafting every round in the 20-30 to 30 position? Does he at least get that level of respect? I think he gets the respect, but here's the thing. And whether, albeit unpleasant as it might be to consider here, but maybe Mike Tomlin isn't the one on the hot seat with the Steelers. Maybe the Steelers are on the hot seat with Mike Tomlin. If you look at this as uh, from a holistic perspective, everything you said is exactly true. They're drafting in the 20s. They're having... Uh, albeit limited success without a whole lot of, of payout at the end of the year. But if we look at this team player for player, go back to 2014, 2015, 2016, a mini run the Steelers had there, they fared a little bit better. Not a ton better, but a little bit better. And the difference in talent between those two teams is astronomically in favor of, of the earlier version of it. Not only have the Steelers failed to identify players of that ilk, but typically it's not even close, with the exception, of course, of J.J. Watt, possibly Minka Fitzpatrick. It makes you wonder after a while, the results are, you know, as Led Zeppelin would say, things remain the same. 
how much of this is Tomlin no longer wanting to deal with whatever it is that's stagnated inside the franchise at, at a, for them, a historical level. They haven't gone this long without winning a playoff game in, in a, a very long time, something like 50 years, I think. It, it hasn't been good football a lot of the way, a lot of the time. You and I have talked about this. I would argue the 21, the 2021 Steelers might have been the worst team Kevin Colbert had in his era. And they somehow went to the playoffs. Yeah. Mike Tomlin deserves a tremendous amount of respect for doing that. But where is the bar set right now for this franchise? And it makes you wonder, uh, considering, as we've talked about, he did not sign a contract extension last year. I'm not saying one was offered to him. Uh, the team might not have wanted to do it either. I, I don't know. But the fact is, they made Mike Tomlin enter the final year of his contract, which started today, technically. Yeah. 17-year head coaches don't do that. I, I can't stress that point enough. Something is going on. So for Tomlin, also, who doesn't walk out on questions, I don't know if that's ever happened, uh, right. for him to do that, to not want to address this at all, he, he addressed the USC rumor from what two years ago, something like that, yeah, and that was as ridiculous as a question he's ever been asked. He did. He didn't talk about this at all, and this is tangible because he did not sign a contract. There's something going on, and I can't help but wonder how how much of that is Tomlin possibly saying, "You need to pay me more if you're not going to." I kind of want to go somewhere else, and it, it, it's next week or so. I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I would pay attention. I, I don't think this is as uh, cut and dry as people want to think that it is. Well, I think here's the other part. I mean, unfortunately, Dan Rooney's no longer with us. Art Rooney the second's the one that runs this team. And he runs it in his own way. And I am wondering, based at least on the people I know in Pittsburgh, all right, so I'm going a little bit on, on um, what some of the people I know there, it may not be the same relationship between those two as it was between Dan and, and, and Mike Tomlin. And if that's the case, and we'll both play the hypothetical, um, if that is the case, it, it makes you wonder how long. And it, it, I, I don't want to say it like this. I just I can't think of a better way to say it. But it, it makes you wonder how long the, the the grieving process is. How long does Art, out of respect for his father, say we're going to do things this way before he decides we need to go a different way? And I don't want to bring money up because everyone yells at me all the time that you know. Tomlin has gone on record saying it's not about money, blah, blah, blah. It's not about the cash. It's about the respect that the money brings. And if the Steelers are offering him, say, 15 a year, and Sean Payton is doing what he's doing right now in Denver <laughs> with far less results, yeah. um, I, I can't help but think Mike Tomlin wants to be in the ballpark of Sean Payton. And $5 million is $5 million. Nobody says, oh, forget it. Don't worry about it. That's nothing. It, it, it that that clearly wouldn't happen if Art, who to this point, and we we can charge Dan with some of this as well. If Art says, you know, maybe it isn't the best strategy any longer to put all of our money into the head coach and not pay the assistants all that much, either by contract or by volume. They don't have very many coaches. Maybe that's a Tomlin thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. I'm not 100 percent sure. But what I know is from a business perspective, they're paying Tomlin a, a, a significant salary. 
most he's getting more than most of his peers are. He's not at the top, but he's getting most of more than than his peers are. They don't funnel that money down. They're not paying much for coordinators and haven't in a while, and you're seeing the results of that, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe this is a time where both sides just kind of see that, you know, a break is necessary. The Steelers want to reset where they're at with their head coaching salary, perhaps bump up the salary of the assistants a little bit more, add some more coaching in there, some more direction, some more leadership, and not count on uh, exclusively on a man who is, uh, by all accounts, a, a fine leader in any regard. And I'm not, I'm not dismissing Tomlin at all. It's just all of this to me kind of suggests maybe it's time to part ways. And that happens. You know, that, that doesn't mean anybody's at fault. It doesn't mean anybody's getting fired. It's just they're proud, successful individuals, and they, they've, they've brought about a lot of success together. Maybe they've plateaued, though, because you need significant change of some type because your seasons are all the same now. I, I, I don't know another way to put that. They have to do something. Uh, but I don't feel Tomlin deserves to be fired. Um, he doesn't need as, as all you know fans are running around grabbing the, the pitchforks and torches this morning. I don't think that he he needs to be punished here. <laughs> I think maybe the, the franchise just needs to go in a different direction, and uh, this would be a good time to do it for where they are. Um, not now, but next season they they'd have a good amount of cap space and a good amount of roster open. This is probably a good time to start shaping uh, in, in a different way the next three to five years of, of the franchise. Which then brings us to the next part of it, and that is Kenny Pickett. Uh, in the end, they went with Mason uh, Rudolph to be the quarterback against Buffalo, which was the right call, in my opinion. Uh, he'd been playing well, and I thought, for the most part, gave a good account of himself in the game on Monday. But Kenny Pickett was drafted in the first round for a reason. You and I both know that as a first-round pick, you have to play your way out of the league. If you're a 4-7 to seven, or you're a free agent to play your way into the league for that second contract, you've watched him. Is Kenny Pickett the long-term answer at quarterback, or does that need thought? Um, it, this is, as, as you probably imagine, come up a few times. Um, I, for me, I, I think it really comes down to, um, not to get all you know semantic about it, but how do you want to define the answer? Um, people want answer to look like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's not that kind of answer. He is their starter next season, um, not because he is Patrick Mahomes, but simply because, financially speaking, he's the most viable option for them over the next two years. I don't think anybody, with the exception of anyone related to Mitch Trubisky, thinks that Mitch Trubisky should be in Pittsburgh next season. That's not going to happen on his current contract. Rudolph is a free agent. If you were really excited about how Rudolph played, I'm pretty sure his agent noticed that as well. Four games starting, going three and one, and I agree with you. I The, the, the first, what, 12, 13 throws, uh, I was a little concerned with where Rudolph was going. He ended the game pretty well. Not too bad, not great, but he ended it pretty well. He did some things that... Um, uh, he wasn't doing early on. Well, you know, day late and dollar short, but uh, he availed himself fairly well in in a difficult situation. Um, Rudolph, if, if we just look at the free agent market, is defined by Trubisky in in his extension last year, which is you know 
kind of leverage, not exactly arm's length, but <laughs> Rudolph is worth two years, $11 million per, uh, based on the market right now. He, he just is. Um, except, I, you know, not out of malice or, or pettiness or spite or anything, but I don't see why he would sign with the Steelers. That's the one team that's not going to give him a fair shake uh, at a starting job that would be in the market for his services. It depends on who it is, and the market's not going to be very big, but if you've got two teams bidding on a quarterback, that price is going to go up. Right. And it's going to come down entirely to uh, where they are with their starting quarterback, what direction they want to go in. He is going to be the best bridge starter in the NFL. That comes with the price tag of Trubisky up to, um, uh, oh my God, I forgot his name, the, the kid in in, um, in Denver, uh, Simeon. Yeah. He was getting, I think, like Trevor, 11, Trevor 10, 11, something like that. Trevor Simeon. Yeah, it, um, these guys are not meant to be starters, but they find themselves in situations where they end up starting a game or two. Maybe Joe Flacco jumps up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Dollar wise, that pushes the market forward. Um, the Steelers can't afford Mason Rudolph, not this year, and the distraction that that would create. Knowing that Rudolph, um, by by most measurements, uh, exceeded the performance of Kenny Pickett with the new offensive coordinating staff in place. Now Pickett only got one game of that, and that was probably Pickett's best game. So give him credit for that. It, to me, it makes a no brainer situation for the team. If Rudolph did this, Pickett was our guy originally. We're going to stick with that. Pickett could probably do the same thing with this coordinator if that's who we're going to keep. So for me, I, I think it, it's a pretty linear decision. Um, they had offensive success, something they haven't had in two years uh, mm -hmm. prior to um, Eddie Faulkner taking over. They'll keep him. Pickett's going to be their guy. He's the cheapest option. Rudolph walks. Maybe they get a comp pick uh, because of that. But they probably cut Trubisky as well. So they still need two quarterbacks this year. Keep that in mind. They probably draft right. another one. Uh, but they're going to need to sign a veteran somewhere. Uh, maybe it's Joe Flacco. I don't know. <laughs> but um, not going to be a cost savings for them at that position this year. But they are going to flip that room over. And I doubt you do anything with Pickens. But, geez, every time I turn around, the guy's got to complain about something. And yesterday was another one. He's over on the sideline, like somebody just wants to put a cape on him. He gets mad and throws the cape. Like, uh, between, It's not that those guys aren't talented, but, geez, I mean, at some point, doesn't character have to add in to the talent part of it? The only word for it now, it just simply is just immature. Um I, I think you probably that fourth and three ball. I, I think you probably see a holding call on that. Right, 60, I agree. 40. Right, I agree. Um, I, I also it wasn't think as that egregious. Really people are making it out. You don't that's, that's holding. Playoff game. Yeah, then there's that. That's the part that I'm going back to. What are you really mad about? You didn't protect the ball. You had it exposed going down with the guy's shoulder and helmet coming right at you. There is not a, a more obvious time to protect the ball in the NFL. You're not paying attention. That is the one thing he's trying to do at that point. No excuse for that. I don't care what level of superstar player you are. There's no excuse for it. Um, you, you might accuse Prime with the same thing, too. And yeah. these are the types of things that happen to this team in the playoffs that yeah. 
infuriates those who watch it because it's like you just you, you gave them the ball. I mean, Frymouth didn't didn't count, but you know, in my world, probably should have. He shouldn't need to go down to frame by frame evidence of whether a ball glanced off his head or not. Right. Go with the call on the field, but if you're watching it and and they're evaluating the play, they may as well call it a fumble. It doesn't matter if it's statistically there or not. That's a mistake. That that's a, a an error that should have cost the team more than it did. Pickens did count, and it was worse. You had multiple situations like that with Pickens this year, along with lots of bright spots as well. Um, to, to paraphrase Mike Tomlin, ironically in this case, they'll, they'll keep the guys until they aren't worth keeping anymore. And I know that, that sounds simple, but what he's basically saying is if he's going to act like a chowderhead, he's going to have to back it up on, on the field. And the second that he's not doing that, they'll get rid of him. Uh, I don't know how long that leash is going to be with Pickens, but I know this. Um, if, if he doesn't put in the work this offseason and he doesn't become a better, uh, more well-rounded receiver, he's running out of excuses and things to blame about why he's not dominating games in every area uh, week in and week out because he has that talent he has that ability. They got him a new offensive coordinator. He got a new quarterback. He got the ball. He didn't get the ball. Sometimes he was happy. Sometimes he was upset. The game doesn't revolve around George Pickens, and until he gets that, I think we're going to have a little outburst like this. You know, and him complaining about the official, I get it. On the field, I get it. Explains his helmet on the sidelines. That's not good, but that that doesn't really bother me a whole lot. It's an emotional game. It's more going to the media um, and, and sounding like an idiot when you go to the media, complaining about the things that you're complaining about. There, there comes a point that you have to to you know hold yourself accountable to the fact that. You took points off the board for your team. You gave them to the other team. Um, you not getting a holding call on fourth and three when you're down uh, significantly in the game is not a it's not a major problem in my mind. Okay. So let's take the Apollo 13 approach. What is good on the spacecraft? The spacecraft. Um, When healthy, I think they've got, at worst, one of the three best defensive players in the game. Um, they've got opportunities. Well, it, to, to be fair, defensively, I think they played well overall defensively. But the fact that they were down to like their eighth inside linebacker yeah, in a problem. playoff game really didn't help. I mean, with, with all due respect, Miles Jack, he would have been on the field for one NFL team at this point, and that was the one you just watched. And he he completely fell apart. Um, you saw his age. You saw Patrick Peterson's age in this game. There are moves they can make, and I, I'm willing to bet there are moves that they plan to make. Jack wasn't supposed to be on the team. Okay, They, they lost three starting-level inside linebackers this year. Uh, Landon Roberts was being held together by duct tape by the end, and he got hurt in the last one, too. I think he got hurt in each of the last seven games um, he, he had to do a lot to get on the field and credit to him for, for continuing to battle out there but uh, poor Michael Walker doesn't belong on the field Miles Jack didn't belong on the field and these are guys that had to play significant snaps if you get that short up I think their defense would have performed well throughout uh, you know consistently well throughout the season hard to play high end defense every single week but what we see today is the teams that are doing it i.e. Baltimore, San Francisco, uh, these are teams that have great inside linebackers, three-down, off-ball linebackers. That's probably something the Steelers need to address 
But if they had that this year, which they, they tried to do, to their credit, I mean, they, they brought in a lot of them. Um, if they had that, they would have been a very good defensive unit. And I think to some degree they can still do that next year. Um, you have to like the growth and the development of their offense over the last seven games of the season with Eddie Falker. I, I, would, I would imagine they would hire him. I don't think Mike Sullivan will call plays. I, I wonder if he's going to stick around as the quarterback's coach or they'll want him. Uh, but there will be pretty significant changes on the staff, but I think Eddie Falker will be back, and they, they can continue to build on something that looked like it worked over the last couple of games. Maybe they can get better in that regard. Um, with it, you should have the makings of a better team um, from what we see of it. So I think overall they, they have team strength, but they got to get some more depth defensively. they got to get a bit faster in the secondary. Um, overall, you, you like the progress of the offensive line. Roderick Jones, I don't think, had his best game last night, but uh, there's a lot to like there. Um, you've probably got your offensive line minus the, the worst one, Mason Cole, coming back next season. So you plug in a center, uh, preferably a veteran one. I think they've got a good offensive line um, going into camp. And, and with that, they have something they can build. Um, they also have something they can tear down if they want to and completely start over. So it, it's it's going to be a really interesting off season. Um, there's some talent there. They just need to, you know, they they need to get better. <laughs> Plain and simple. Um, it's pretty good, but how do you get a lot better uh, in one off season? That that's the that's the challenge that Omar Khan has in front of him right now. Well, never a challenge when talking with you. Uh, you're the best, and now we're heading into. Some of the interesting part of the year that you and I always enjoy talking about, and that is the off season. You got to love the transactional season, the business season of the NFL. It really is kind of what brings everything together. Um, I, I enjoy that. I've come to enjoy that a lot more throughout my career as well, just because that's you know that, that's kind of the soap opera, that's kind of the action part uh, beyond football. You're you're seeing uh, just as competitive games being played amongst teams, amongst themselves. There's a lot that comes out of it. And I don't honestly, I don't think, last year was pretty interesting for the Steelers with the amount of money that they had to spend, the guys that they brought in. Um, I, To me, this offseason touches, there's a question mark around everything surrounding the Steelers right now, up to and including the head coach. You don't know if he's going to step down tomorrow or not. He might. Uh, that That's not you know, a junk rumor. He might. Um, with that, you have an offensive coordinator you need to hire. Uh, they haven't done that for a while. Maybe it's Faulkner, maybe it's not. You know, you, you can see that going either way. Um, you're going to lose a lot of coaches here. <laughs> you know, that'll yeah. get fired up here in the, in the coming weeks. They don't typically fire their coaches immediately following the season. They kind of take some time and, and go over stuff. But uh, I think it's safe to say not everyone's coming back. Uh, they're not getting the band back together next year. So, uh, moves are going to come there. You also have major decisions with Cam Hayward, with Deontay Johnson. The, you know, the personnel moves uh, alone are, are pretty uh, are pretty significant. So stay tuned. It's going to be crazy. Well, you'll be back. How about that? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong. See... Notice the measured intelligence of the Neil Kulong answers. 
as opposed to the near out of control <laughs> we got about the Eagles earlier. Fan is short for fanatic. You do have a, the ability to make it all right. What? This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory with great warranties, great pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee. Terrific service department that makes this all happen. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Former Maryland quarterback Talia Tungaviola, uh, to his brother, uh, had asked for a waiver for a sixth year of eligibility. It put his name into the transfer portal, but it was denied. Uh, Coach Nick Saban and Alabama wrote a strong plea in support of the NCAA. Remember, Talia started his career at Alabama, and then he transferred to Maryland. At issue is the fact that he did play in five games with Alabama. But the additional issue was how the fifth game came about. Um, the waiver centered around Tunga Viola playing in five games as the third-string quarterback. He played two snaps against Duke, two against Mississippi State, he had 22 snaps the final week at Western Carolina. And the maximum threshold for redshirting is four games. Um, and what happened was in the final game of the season, uh, they were it was a blowout victory and in that fifth game. And I believe the game um, was at home. And he took two snaps because they wanted to send him in to honor his brother who had suffered that severe hip injury against Ole Miss earlier in the year. Ole Miss or Texas A&M, one of the two. And everything centered around those two plays. And Nick Saban wrote on his behalf and was saying, hey, look, come on, you know, this is why we did it. Now, I think part of what comes into play here um, is the fact that with the COVID year, you already had the additional year to play. And I think that does come into play with what's going on here. Um, and I just want to look up that 2019 year for a second here, just to make sure I've got the sequence of games correct. Um, 
that won't take too long, 2019. Well, Cesar, I think it's because he, he had stats in three games. That was the problem. But they put him in the game because he played against Mississippi State. He played against Duke. But then he also played against Southern Mississippi and Arkansas. And then that last game with Western Carolina, I think everything centers on the two plays against Duke, even though it was early in the season. And, But he played in five. He then transferred, and he's played the last four seasons. Full go. Um, obviously, he had the great game against Penn State in 20 that they won through three touchdowns. But then, you know, full go in 21, full go in 22. And I guess because he also redshirted a full year. And you're trying to get him a sixth year of eligibility. And, you know, he, I mean, let's face it, the last, especially the last two years against Penn State, he really struggled. I mean, he, you know, he only scored 15 points the last two years total against Penn State. I'm wondering if he had a landing spot, and that and that's why he decided he wanted to try for that extra year. No, the, here's the, here's the issue, uh, Todd. The issue is is that his draft grade is third day, and the idea was if he could transfer someplace because he was not going to stay at Maryland. Uh, and Maryland tried to help him in this process. But he wanted to see if he could get himself to a second-day pick because right now his draft grade's third day. So that's what he's trying to, he was trying to do. He was trying to improve an NFL draft landing spot, which, hey, look, I don't blame him. I, I'm advising him. We try to do the same thing, see what the NCAA says about it. But he did play one game beyond... Right? And it's not like the the last game he played. It wasn't like he came in for two plays. He played extensively against Western Carolina. I mean, he, he threw 20 passes in the game, the fifth game. And I think the part of the problem is the number of passes he threw, I mean, the number of plays that he played against Western Carolina. That's the big issue because uh, in that game, like he played. I mean, when I, when I mean he played, I mean he played not a little. He played a lot. Uh, other games he may have played a few plays here and there, but um, so he ends up playing four full seasons, including the COVID year, then nineteen. Right, he played in those games. There, in terms of his career stats, yeah. And because of the five games, I mean, that's beyond the rule. And I know we're talking about being sticklers for rules. Uh, you don't always have to be, you know, and the NCAA can do too much. But against Western Carolina, he played a bunch of snaps in that game. He threw for 35 yards. He threw a touchdown pass. You know, it's not like he just, like, came in and took knees and, and left. You know what I mean? 
His problem was he didn't take a knee and get out of there. He actually, you know, he played. Again, I, I think when he when when this started, I think I read that they they were trying, like you said, trying to push that game where uh, Tua got hurt and he was dedicating, yeah. and right. as the one that shouldn't count. But right, I, right, exactly. You're kind of opening up a can of worms there. I think if you if you allow him to do it, but right, you know, and it, look, and they played him in the fifth game, and they knew by playing him in the fifth game. I mean, look, the Alabama coaching staff knew when they put him in the fifth game that they, they were burning his year of eligibility. I mean, they knew that. I mean, they have to have somebody that's counting, right? I mean, and that's part of somebody's job. I mean, that we're always looking at the participation. At Penn State, uh, I'll give you an example. I mean, Jack and I are in charge of who plays games, but we're always looking at the chart to see where the freshmen are as to whether they're up to four games or up to a fifth game or not. And, you know, and it's a little, you know, and we know who's on special teams, which is a big, you know, that's a gigantic part of whether they're playing. You know, it's one thing to look out there and go, hey, there's Zion Tracy and Elliot Washington. They're both playing corner. Well, anybody in, in the planet can pick up on that, but they're on the kickoff cover team too. Oh, and what do you do in every game? You always kick off. Right. So, you know, there are ways of going about and doing it. Um, in terms of the ability, you have to, have to count games. You're always counting games. Like Jamel Lyons is one that Jack and I really kept a close eye on because we think Jamel Lyons is going to be a really good player here. Well, it turned out that uh, he got to the max. I mean, he and did not get to the fifth game. Good, he retains his eligibility. Oh, I hear the suit in the background. There's got to be some problem. Something. I just I tried to turn the mic off before you heard him. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's, I'm sorry. There's certain things you pick up on, on right away. There's certain distinct voices. <laughs> right? I mean, Belichick's out there interviewing for jobs. And he's not. All right, so. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, so so we're always trying to keep an eye on that as to who. And with him, the Alabama staff had to know. I mean, they have all these analysts. I mean, they had to know it was his fifth game. right? And, of course, they're not sitting there thinking this situation is going to come up. I mean, in terms of yardage, he's the Big Ten yardage record holder in the whole thing. But. He is still projected to be a third-day NFL draft pick, and you know, and to his credit, he's kind of just taken all this with a grain of salt and has said, "Okay, I'm going to start working on the draft." Yeah, and that's that's what he's going to focus on. Uh, really good young, co- really good coach out there. Uh, at San Jose State, uh, Brent Brennan is now going to go to Arizona. He's going to be. It's a five-year deal for him. I mean, he's not that young. He's only. He's. I mean, when I say young, I mean he's fifty. Looks younger than that. He's fifty years old. He spent a lot of time there, and he um, has roots at Arizona. He was on Dick Tomey's staff as a grad assistant. Um. Also worked under Tommy when he was an assistant at San Jose State, so he's going. 
there. He's a good coach. San Jose State's a good program. He did a good job with it. Uh, and like, why do I know anything about San Jose State? Remember, Penn State was supposed to play San Jose State in 2020. So I'd done a lot of research on them to get ready for the game, and of course the game did not come to fruition. Um, but he'll take that job because Jed Fish took the job at Washington. I thought and, it was interesting. It sounds like the quarterback and receiver for Arizona are going to stay at Arizona and not follow Fish to Washington. See, that was always everybody was always would ask me about that ability to transfer and sit out of here. And I said, well, part of that rule is they don't want people following their coaches when they take another job, like to discourage it. I mean, that was always part of it. Now you're seeing that. I mean. Caleb Williams and Mario Williams ended up following Lincoln Riley to USC and so forth. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what it... Uh, it's interesting that they're going to stay because McMillan is a guy everybody wants. The, the wide out? Yeah. He's really good. <laughs> he's really good, to his credit. I, I watched that bowl game. They're they're both pretty good. He's, oh, uh, the Alamo Bowl? I thought the Alamo Bowl, I watched it all the way to the end. That was one entertaining football game. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. That's why people go, oh, the bowl games. I'm like, I don't watch. I don't care if you watch. Do not care. I don't care what you're watching. I am not going to criticize you for what you're watching. That's your business. But don't say, you got ball games. I said, yes. okay, zip it. <laughs> okay, zip it. All right? I have respect for what you're watching. Do not criticize me for watching what I want to watch. Okay? If I want to watch, if I want to watch an NIT game, I will. <laughs> I love these people. I love them. They're going to tell you, they're going to criticize your choice as to what you're watching. Okay. Doesn't matter. Uh, the NBA 65 game rule to qualify for awards and so forth. I guess but we're talking about Joel Embiid missed has missed what ten games this season. He can only miss seven more games to stay eligible for awards. As a Sixers fan, I prefer he stay eligible for the playoffs than stay eligible for the awards. Well, you know what? It's bad that they had to put this rule in. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I have a real, okay. I understand. Okay, let's let's talk about what I do understand. I understand how physical it is, how grueling it is. It's a long season. I got that. You need cold tub, hot tub, massage. Okay. But this league, you're flying on first-class planes everywhere. Okay, You are not going through the terminal. You go through the FBO. All right? You stay in the Four Seasons, the Ritz-Carlton, and I'm not exaggerating. Those are the hotels they stay in. 
Okay, It's not easy being on the road, but, boy, if you're going to be on the road, that's a pretty good way to go. How about that? All right? I realize there are long road trips. I realize that games are a grind. I've got all that. And if you're hurt, you're hurt. I get that. If you're injured, I absolutely get that. But you're also making in some seven and eight figures per season. And they're asking you to play 65 games minimum? Really? There are 366 days in this particular year. It's a leap year. So the other 301, you aren't playing. Now, of course, I'm not figuring the playoffs here. But I'm sorry. People are paying top dollar to watch you play. People pay cable bills, streaming bills. They pay for tickets. They buy the merch. Everything. Right? Don't you have an obligation to play? I don't get that. I don't get it. I think a lot of that stuff was coming from the front offense more than it was from the players. Well, the players are the ones sitting out. Well, if your boss tells you to sit down, you're not going to argue. Oh, I think a lot of this comes from... Uh, I, I, I don't think this is coming from front offices. I think some of it is coming from front offices, but I think they're bending over backwards on some of this. I mean, ESPN, there was a game, was it two years ago? The Nets, they had Durant, they had Harden. I don't, I'm trying to think if they had Sims at the time or not. I have no idea. I don't think they did. Right? And the Sixers had Embiid, Simmons, and they all sat that night. They all sat. What an absolute backhand to a partner that is putting in $1.4 billion a year. What an absolute backhand to the 18,000 fans who bought tickets to see that game. Like, really? This is who I get to watch tonight? Now, why does a fan want to go back to a game when they don't think they're going to play? Why? You weren't such a great league where you can just survive on whomever the heck's out there. I mean, maybe the front office has something to do with it. Players have a lot to do with it, and the front office has something to do with it. I mean, this is a combination of the two. How about that? All right? And it's wrong. It's all wrong. Because that's not... Okay? You have to be able... Okay, those people that listen to us right now, Todd, they're gold. They have all these other choices they could make. They have all the other choices on the car radio they can make. They have all the choices in the business radio they can make, whatever. And for whatever great reasons, they chose to listen to us today. It is up to us to do the kind of show that's worthy of them saying of, of them picking us. There are entertainment options all over the place out there, including the NBA. Your job's to go out there every single night to make sure that those people that decide to buy your product, whether on TV or in the arena, made the right choice. 
And you've got, if it's front office people or it's players, you're taking your consumer for granted. And that's the worst thing any business can do, is take the consumer for granted. You can't. Do I want him available for the playoffs? Okay. He's not being asked to play 300 games, you know. He is a little fragile, though. No, he's I mean, look, he had to miss two full seasons because of injuries to even start his career. So that part I do get. I do understand that part. And like I said, if you're hurt, you're hurt. If you're injured, you're injured. I, I get it. But tonight, the Nuggets are going to play the Sixers tonight. Okay? Well, if I'm going to the game and they tell me Embiid and Jokic aren't going to play, well, th- th- don't you think that wet blanket's my night in terms of driving over to Wells Fargo Arena? Oh, no doubt. Well, that's what they're doing. Uh, I'm... I'm not saying I think Jokic and Embiid are both playing tonight. But I'm saying, but that's what they're doing in this league. I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. I'm a season ticket holder. The last game of the season, if they win, they get the 10-7 game. They sit everybody. They sit everybody. Well, what the heck do I want to buy tickets to see the Dallas Mavericks? Why do I want to do that? Last I checked, the eighth seed in the East, Miami, got to the finals. And they had to play an 8-9 play-in, right? Yeah. I get a 10-7 game. I, they had a chance to finish 10th by winning. And they look at the, and they look at the fans and go, Dap, sorry, no, no, we're not going to do that tonight. We're not going to do that tonight. Why did I spend the money? Why? That's the equivalent of going to the store, buying meat. Oh, wait a minute. We, we marked it wrong. Uh, the meat was actually good on Tuesday. It's not good today. We marked it wrong. Sorry. What's the difference? By the way, the Sixers are a 68% chance to win tonight. And Bede's averaging 34.5 points a game. Ooh. Pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. No, he's he really he's a ter- <laughs> terrific player, except when he gets in the playoffs. Yeah. Nope. Everybody wants to blame Simmons. They want to blame him. What? Look at the stats of your guy. In playoff time, okay, he's Dak Prescott. All right. Back tomorrow here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.